1: John. I'm Bo. <laughs> do it, Pat. I'm, I'm Pat. Uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it, guys. I can't do it. So mine
2: leaned a little too much into Odo Mr. Bucket, but... Yeah, yeah I'm, I was... Well, I'm, I'm, Batman. was funny on the I'm Batman and I sleep in a bucket. <laughs> the Mr. Bucket? Uh, Mr. Bucket? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Belfry? I don't use the bucket anymore. There you go. So, okay, we've been watching Boston Legal recently. Oh. And Rene Arbichonois is like a lawyer on the show, uh-huh. a highly respectable, buttoned-up lawyer. Oui, oui. And to look at him and go, hmm, Odo, from constable to lawyer in
1: 10 years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I sleep in a bucket. It's good fun. <laughs> It was. I was trying to do Batman. You turned into Odo, and then Pat came on, and was like it's Pat. <laughs> I'm so, oh, I don't. Geez. I
2: can uh, Guys, I don't.
0: Mm. And this is and this
2: is where we're starting. I know, yeah. right? Like, yeah. wow. Yeah. Guess maybe that extra cocktail then not a I, good um,
1: idea. Well, hmm. yeah.
2: Or it was a capital ID. Mm. What if? <laughs>
1: no, it's a, yeah, it's a good idea. We're we're talking about a animated cartoon movie. Mm. So cheers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, this is Batman Mask of the Phantasm. This is the first animated movie in the Batman the Animated Series universe. So we're going to be talking this one this time around. It is episode number 487. We are getting very, very close, gents, to episode number 500. Looking forward to that one. Mm -hmm. So very quickly, we have some stuff that you can do to be a part of the 500th episode. Go to 30podcast.com, and there is a blog entry there on our website with a bunch of different things that you can do to get involved in that if you've been listening for a little while or a long while. We would love to have you be a part of that as well. Send us some stuff if you've got just some comments or some Jokes that you remember from back in the day when we were in our first or second year of recording, or you know, just what you've enjoyed about the show over the last 500 episodes. We're going to be doing that. We're actually going to be recording that probably within the next two or three weeks, depending on when this episode comes out, and then it'll get released, I believe, right at the beginning of December. So. That'll give me a little bit of time to edit some stuff together, but that is what we got coming up. So you got maybe another couple of weeks or so to get your stuff in probably about a week by the time this episode comes out, but yeah, please, please do. We would love to hear from you. Make sure you go to our website for anything to find any of our old episodes. You can leave a rating there. Leave a voicemail for us. There's a little microphone button down in the corner if you're on your phone or if you're on the web version. There should be a little microphone button there, and you can leave us a voicemail nice and easy. And then we will play that on the show unless you tell us not to. We'll play it on the show, and we will respond to it. So there is also a link to our Patreon page. If you are interested in supporting the show, if you're interested and able to support the show, we have a bunch of bonus content on there as well. So supporting the show does get you access to some of those things as well. And we really, really appreciate those who are able to support it in that way. There are costs involved with podcasting, so that does help us offset some of the costs for this. All right. I think we're just going to dive right into this one. Do you guys have anything else? I don't have anything else going on that needs mentioning.
2: Not that I can think of.
1: No. Let's rock yeah. and roll, lock yeah. and load. I will really quickly say, if the writers and actors, if the strikes are still going at this point, check out some different websites. There are some ways to help support that. If you are interested in helping support the writer's strike and the, the other strikes that may be going on, if that's still going, and it may still be going, there are some different places where you can, they, they've got some great spots where you can Donate to send food to the people that are on the picket lines to so that they can provide for their families because nobody's working right now. Any of that stuff. And it's more than just the multi-million dollar paid people that are involved in this. It is cast and crew of all of some of your favorite shows. So, you know, it's it involves and affects everybody. So it would be a great way to, to help out. So go check out some of those. I may add some of those to our website if you're interested in checking that out to see how you might be able to help for that. All right, again, Batman, Mask of the Phantasm came out on the 25th of December, 1993, rated PG. It was one hour and 16 minutes, directed by Bruce, Tim, and Eric Radomski. Tim did Superman Doomsday and Justice League The New Frontier. Radomski did the Batman animated series and the Spawn, I believe Spawn animated series. They had a short one. Writers were Alan Burnett, Paul Dini, and Martin Pasco. Burnett did the Batman Superman movie World's Finest and Green Lantern, Emerald Knights. Paul Dini did Batman Beyond, Return of the Joker, Superman the Animated Series, and most of Batman the Animated Series. And Martin Pascoe was a writer for Roseanne and Swamp Thing. Producers were Alan Burnett, Eric Radomski, and Bruce Timm. Burnett did Justice League and The Batman. Radomski did Spawn and Mad. And Bruce Timm did Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, First Flight. Again, these are all pretty much the animated versions of all these movies. Composer was Shirley Walker, who did Final Destination. Editor was Al Breitenbach, who did the new Ad Batman, the new Batman Adventures cartoon and the Justice League cartoon. Production company was Warner Brothers. Budget was six million. Box Office was 5.6 million. No cinema score for this one, and Flickmetrics gives it a 73%. Kevin Conroy, who passed just not too long ago, just recently, was Batman Bruce Wayne. He was in Batman the Killing Joke and the t- entirety of Batman the Animated Series. Dana Delaney played Andrea Beaumont. She was in Superman the Animated Series and Justice League the Flashpoint Paradox. Hart Bochner played Arthur Reeves. He was in Die Hard and Supergirl. Stacy Keach was the Phantasm and Carl Beaumont. He was in American History X and Escape from L.A. Abe Vigoda was Salvatore Valestra. He was in The Godfather. Dick Miller was Chucky Saul. He was in Gremlins and The Terminator. John Ryan was Buzz Bronsky. He was in It's Alive and Runaway Train. From Zimbalist Jr. Played Alfred Pennyworth. He was in Hot Shots and Wait Until Dark. Bob Hastings was Commissioner Gordon. He was on, in All in the Family and General Hospital. Robert Costanzo played Detective Bullock. He was in Total Recall. Mark Hamill was the Joker. He was in, I don't know. It's like It was like this little series of movies I think he was a part of.
2: Yeah, just a couple of things yeah. here and there, you know. A
1: little independent <laughs> yeah. in, independent sci-fi film.
2: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so. The synopsis for this one. In a city cloaked in shadows, Batman faces a mysterious new foe, the Phantasm. A tale of love and loss unfolds as Andrea Beaumont reenters Bruce Wayne's life while old enemies like the Joker lurk in the darkness. The past returns with a vengeance in Batman, Mask of the Phantasm. This Christmas, for the first time, America's most exciting and legendary motion picture hero comes to the screen like you've never seen him before. The Bat! In an all-new, larger-than-life feature film. Ah! Now, The Dark Knight confronts his newest and most menacing villain. Your angel of death awaits. The Phantasm. I want you. And faces his greatest danger, Can't be too
0: careful with all those weirdos around.
1: A soaring new adventure. Batman. Mask of the Phantasm. The animated movie. Coming for a Christmas you'll never forget. All right, real quick, major moments. This is our 10-point walkthrough of the plot. So this will kind of take us through the plot real quick. And again, only being an animated movie, only being like an hour and 16 minutes, it actually flies by pretty quickly. It's kind of like two episodes of the cartoon put together, maybe a little over two episodes. But real quick, the beginning of Bruce and Andrea's relationship, we see a young Bruce Wayne and Andrea Beaumont meet and fall in love. And this is, we, we get some of Bruce's very first times out as a crime fighter, and things are a little rough because the, the bad guys don't really, they're not really so scared of him. So this is, you kind of see him start to realize, I need to do something more than just put on a ski mask and kick butt. I could do a little more than this. And then eventually he actually proposes to Andrea, but she ends up leaving abruptly when it, when it comes to find out that her dad owes the mob some money and they got to get out of town. So, That is what, according to this story, that is kind of the breaking point that leads Bruce to ultimately become the Batman. Batman breaks up a crime meeting. This is 10 years later now. He breaks up a mob meeting. Chucky Saul's escaped attempt is foiled by the Phantasm, a new character who has shown up. It leads to Saul's death, and the suspicion falls on Batman as the murderer. Phantasm strikes again and murders Buzz Bronski. Batman investigates, encountering Andrea, inadvertently reveals his identity to her. Valestra's desperate plea, paranoid Valestra, seeks protection against Batman, but who he, thinks, who he thinks is after him, but it's actually the Phantasm. He turns to the Joker after being refused help by Reeves. Uh, Joker sets a trap, and the Phantasm finds Valestra dead from Joker's venom. Uh, Joker trap fails to kill the Phantasm, and it leads to a pursuit by Batman and an eventual escape. Uh, Andrea explains uh, she saves Batman from the police and explains her father's embezzlement and resulting death, Bruce mistakenly thinks that Carl Beaumont may be the Phantasm. Joker's confrontation with Reeves. He confronts Reeves and attacks him with a slow-inducing venom. Batman interrogates him in the hospital, uncovering the connection between Beaumont and the Velestra mob. The Phantasm's identity is revealed between some flashbacks revealing that Carl Beaumont was killed by the Joker. Batman and the Joker deduce that Andrea is the Phantasm, seeking revenge for her father's death. In the final showdown, Andrea tracks the Joker to Gotham's abandoned World's Fair. Batman intervenes, begging her to stop. The Joker's explosives detonate, leaving Batman alive, but Andrea and the Joker are missing. Finally, Alfred is consoling Bruce, who finds Andrea's locket in the Batcave. Andrea leaves Gotham, and Batman, now cleared of all the accusations, is able to resume his duty as a crime fighter. All right, that was the quick fly-through. Anything I miss anything? Any major plot points I, here?
0: I think I think that was it.
1: Okay, all right. Well, I think it's time to think a little bit more deeply about this. Mm-hmm. Let's dive in. Let's spelunk into the Batcave and think deeply. And now, deep thoughts.
2: I have an opinion on this matter. Don't mince words, Bones. What do you really think? I like it a lot. Wow. Oh.
1: Deep. thank you. All right. First question. When was the first time you remember seeing this movie and did you like it? It's well, been a really
2: long time. I think I saw it right about when it came out. Okay. I was trying to remember, and I should have looked this up. It wouldn't have taken me that long, but I didn't. Where we were in the animated series when this came out. Mm-hmm. Okay. That was going to be my question too.
0: I'm gonna, I don't want to totally interrupt,
2: but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't have that encyclopedic knowledge that John does.
1: <laughs> yeah, so... And, and my encyclopedic this... knowledge does not stretch to Batman the Animated Series as much, but I can oh. tell you from a real quick Googling, keep your minds out of the gutter. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. I am trying.
1: Yeah, thank you. So this came out on Christmas Day of 93. Um, okay. I am looking at... It looks like... Season looks like it might have been right in the middle of season two. Okay. Yeah, so season two, episode five, paging the crime doctor. Dr. Matthew Thorne is forced into operating on his brother, the crime boss Rupert Thorne, but he needs help, so he kidnaps Dr. Leslie Tompkins to assist. Batman discovers her disappearance, blah, 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 blah. So that was season two, episode five. That came out in September of '93. And then it looks like in the timeline, there was a huge jump. So from September of 93, the next episode, season two, episode six, didn't come until May of
0: 94. Oh, okay. So there was
1: a massive jump in there. So it looks like season two, episode five, September 17th, 1993, then Mask of the Phantasm would have come out Christmas day, 1993. And then five months later, Yeah. Five months later, you had season two, episode six. So it was right at the very beginning because a lot of these seasons, I mean, a lot of these seasons went pretty long. I feel like season one had. Season one had like sixty five episodes or something crazy. Jeez. Yeah. Season one was on the same drugs that 80s kids cartoons were on where you had like you had like 300 episodes in one season. Yeah.
0: No, that's that's interesting. Yeah, and then, and then
1: season two. Yeah, season one had sixty-five episodes. Season two had twenty episodes, and season three had twenty-four episodes. Okay, so yeah.
0: So it's interesting because, and I mean, we're all relatively pretty close in age, but again, these are the years where it there's there's a big age disparity between someone that's thirteen. And someone that's 16 or 15, you know what I'm saying? Right. Someone that's 18 and someone that's 21. And I know that this has come up before. And I know, especially like when talking with Dennis, when we've been talking about certain things, because it's kind of like, well, where did this fall in your childhood? And it's interesting because so 93, this would make me like 15 turning 16. And so I still watch cartoons and check them out. And I think what drew me to the Batman animated series was just you had a little bit more mature overtones yeah. and it wasn't like over the top, but you know, it was something that I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm totally, yeah, I'm into this and, and checking all this out and it's cool. But in the same token, I wasn't like a hardcore comic book reader. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I, I didn't have that basis of, man, I got to check out everything comic book. So I would just kind of be like, eh, hey, I'm watching something. Yeah. I'm going to watch Batman animated series. And I know we'll get into likes and dislikes and all that kind of stuff later but it's one of those things it's it's for me it's kind of like the first two or three seasons of star trek next generation it's like i remember watching it i remember some individual plot threads i think i saw this at some point if it came on tv if they like played the movie on tv but i don't remember ever going out and seeing it and i i i I, I don't want to say that this was a first time watch but this might have been like a first time watch like all the way through so Mm -hmm that's that's kind of where I'm coming from this is is like I said I remember watching this I remember liking it but I I don't remember I don't remember seeing it in the theater yeah
2: you know if I saw it in the theater I probably waited until it was on in home
1: yeah yeah Yeah. I I didn't see this until later I I didn't see this in the theater didn't see it until later on video it probably Mm -hmm. would have been not too long after it came out on video And originally it was meant to be one of those like straight to straight to VHS at the time releases. Mm -hmm. And then for some reason, I I didn't read exactly why, but for some reason they changed their mind and they're like, no, let's release it in theaters. And it it totally bombed in theaters. Like critics actually liked it, but it just did not do well in the theaters.
0: Yeah. So. Well, what is it up against? I know we're doing 93 movies, so it's kind of like I should know this, but I mean.
1: It, it actually lost. It was one of the first comic, oh, it actually is the first comic book movie that was nominated for for Best Animated Feature and for something called the Annie Awards, and it lost to The Lion King from 1994. Okay. So they came out around the same time. This is coming out around the same time as Lion King and a couple of other things. So, yeah, it, it didn't have much of a chance when you are up against Disney. Well, no, that's, right, uh, that's a if,
0: challenge. Yeah. But, I mean, they weren't head-to-head in the theater, were they? No, no. What was head? What would have been head to head in the theater with this?
1: Let's see. It came out. Well, it came out Christmas Day, and I, a lot of times that's a pretty popular day to go to the movies. So I would imagine, I would imagine you had quite a bit at the time. Let me let me pull that up real fast. I can see what was out. What was out in December of my, '93?
0: Because I mean, my thought would be, I think, just in watching this, I think if you're fifteen, 15, 16 – 17 18 years old if you're like a comic book person yeah I'm gonna go check out the new Batman movie Yeah. but if you're like if there's other offerings there that maybe are gonna like pique your fancy a little bit more I don't know how much you're gonna be seeing this younger kids that would go see this like I, I, I can see parents steering them other directions do you know what I'm saying like yeah,
1: yeah no it, just looking at the top let's just even do like the top five well Anyway, it, it didn't really stand much of a chance. It's listed okay. as, for box office totals in December of 93, it's number 23 on the list. Okay. Uh, ahead of that was number one in the box office, which came out uh, the Thanksgiving week, was Mrs. Doubtfire. Okay. So here's what it's up against. Mrs. Doubtfire, The Pelican Brief, Wayne's World 2, Sister Act 2, Beethoven's 2nd, Tombstone Adam's Family Values, The Three Musketeers. My Life had come out not long before this. What else was close to this? Um, Schindler's List. (laughs) Even at this point, it had come out on June 11th. At this point, Jurassic Park was still making more money than Batman Mask of the Phantasm.
2: Oh, for God's sake. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Right. No, I can see that. And I mean, it, it,
0: it kind of probably just felt like, okay, well, we're going to, we're going to the theater to watch like a glorified cartoon.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Which, and I, this sounds disparaging, but I'm just trying to like get in the mind of like, I think a lot of parents at that time would probably say, hey, cartoons are the things that you watch on Saturday mornings. Right. Right. Now, yeah, it's unless it's a massive Disney cartoon. Right. Right. But I mean, and, and I could be biased. I mean, that's, but I mean, I remember my parents were just like, like the Simpsons. The Simpsons was edgy. It's like, why are you doing that? Like, why is, cartoons shouldn't have that kind of humor in them? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Was kind of like, that's, that's, that's yeah. the animated shows They're for kids. So like there wasn't that process that, oh man, it's just another way of, of storytelling. Yeah. I, and I, I don't know. I'm kind of like stating the obvious over and over. But my thing is, is that I think it's unfortunate because I think this is a really, really good movie. And I think it's like a really, really good story, but it's just,
1: it kind of got. And and parents concerned about the the Simpsons family guy is sitting there 25 years in the future going, wait till they get a load of me. (laughs) Oh, I know. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, I think it's, I think it's like anything. The people that grew up watching the Simpsons were like, Hey, we're going to, you know, we're going to use animation to tell some pretty amazing stories. And I mean, like we can go on. They've been doing it in Japan for However, many, of, yeah, you know, years and years and years, but I just think I I just know in my in my house it, it would have been a oh that's probably just a kids movie so yeah if you want to go with some friends and can drop you off at the theater or whatever mm-hmm. but again I probably would have been more like hey let's check out Wayne's World two and then go watch Batman eighty nine yeah. at home you know so yeah like I said unfortunate but it, it kind of like I said last week it sometimes we judge, we tend to judge everything based on box office numbers and all that, which is unfortunate because I think some things are just work better in different areas.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. So this is, and and this story I didn't read until later either. This is loosely based on the collection of stories from the late eighties called Batman year two it was a follow-up to the Batman Year One that Frank Miller did that was supposed to kind mm-hmm. of depict the, the the early days of Bruce Wayne as a crime fighter. And you get a little bit of some of that, like him putting on the ski mask and trying things out. Some of those early scenes in Batman Begins where he's just popping on a ski mask and trying to take down the criminals, a lot of that yep. is Batman Year One kind of stuff. In the mm-hmm. comic that was Batman Year Two, And then they had another one later on that was Batman Year 3. But in Batman Year 2, this one came out in the late 80s sometime. And the villain of that one was a villain called the Reaper. And the Reaper was very much like the Phantasm. Phantasm is kind of, how do I want to say it? The terror of the Reaper is is maybe toned down a bit for the cartoon. Um, The Reaper is in this kind of like, almost like, Spiky red armor with a skull mask, a black hooded cape, and he's got two kind of what are those called? Scythes
2: Mm -hmm. as
1: hands. And it's a very similar story. It is Bruce meets and falls in love with this woman, and you find out that this woman's father has been parading around as the Reaper, killing mob bosses and and mob guys because his wife was killed years ago by one of them. So it's it's very much an anti-Batman kind of character. A little bit like the Punisher, but that was what the character of the Phantasm was actually based off of. I don't remember in the comic if the Reaper, I believe it was always just the woman's father. I don't believe that she ever became the Reaper. So I think that was a little bit different. Mm-hmm. But that was some of this from Mask of the Phantasm, loosely based off of Batman Year Two. So if anybody wants to get some of the things that would have influenced this movie, go check out the, I think they collected it as, they've collected it as Year One and Year Two separately. I don't know if they've got one that's that's all together, but it's, I believe the Year Two is called Batman Year Two Fear the Reaper. So if anybody oh, cool. wants to go check that out, it was, I remember it being a good story. So. Yeah, I I enjoyed this one. Didn't see it in the theater. Enjoyed it. Enjoyed it for the fact that it was, like you said, Pat, the maturity of the animated series, which I think already on the kids' morning cartoon version of it or afternoon cartoon version of it that I remember watching on Fox, it was already, it seemed a very mature cartoon for the time. Mm -hmm. And this one even takes it up a level. Like you've got some... Some things, some words are said. In fact, I think even like the word death or dead may even be said in this one. And they never, anytime in those cartoons, anytime somebody would be dead, somebody would always say, is he? And then they would just like trail off and never say the word. But this one, there's there's some blood in here. There's a little bit more, some of the action sequences are a little bit more intense, a little bit more violent than they would be in the typical animated series, Batman animated series cartoon. But this, I, I feel like a lot of... This was a great time for superhero cartoons. Like, I love the superhero mm-hmm. cartoons of the 80s, but this is around the time where we're getting Batman the Animated Series, we're getting, you know, X-Men the Animated Series, mm-hmm. uh, we're getting all that really, really good stuff. And I wanted to ask you this because... I want to ask both of you this because I I know, Pat, how much you enjoy Batman 89. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... I want to ask this question because I was reading something earlier and the person that I was reading said they actually believed that this was a better Batman story than Batman 89 and Batman returns. Mm. Mm. What say you? Well, and I can tell, I want to hear your answer and then I'll tell you kind of their rationale as to why they said that.
0: Oh, see, I was going to ask for their rationale. I I want to hear yours um, first and then I'll tell you. Okay. I, it's a very it's going to be a very activity to say well this is a better batman story or this is a, not a good batman story or or whatever whether we're getting into the the technical of well Jack Napier wasn't the guy that was it was actually a, a some other guy's name and they changed that in batman and that's not technically accurate where this is probably a little bit more accurate to to the cartoon or the, to the comics. You, you get what I'm saying? But so the, I, the I character, think, the
1: character of Jack Napier is in this. Yeah. 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 Cause that's the Joker's name in this. It was Jack Napier.
0: Oh, that's right. It yeah. was. Yeah. Okay. So I guess that was a bad example. No, Anyways, fine. to, to, to not get too like long winded. I think I'm sure that you can sit there and point out different technical things and uh, you know, about why one's better and one's not. I, I thought Batman 89 was an amazing Batman story, I thought Michael Keaton, all the things that we talked about brought a humanity to Bruce Wayne, the Batman suit was cool. It, it brought a little bit of the the grittiness back, which was super cool. Batman 89 I'm talking about. I thought that it was the Joker was amazing with Jack Nicholson. I mean, that's an iconic role. I mean, I know we've talked about all these things before. I think this one is very, very good. You know, I think it had with that music, that soundtrack. The way the animation is drawn, the way it shows him kind of in development and takes nods from the comics. I think this one's very good. I I really, I'm only pointing out the positives just because I think to say, well, this one's actually more authentic Batman or a better Batman story than the other one. I I think it's just going to come down to a subjective, well, I just like it better. And here's why.
1: Yeah. Bo, what are your thoughts?
2: Hmm. Yeah. I, I, I like it. I don't like it more than Batman 89. Okay. Mm-hmm. Batman 89 much in my opinion is a better is a better watch, but it could also be that I've watched the Batman 89 more. I can tell you I can quote that movie backwards and forwards. Oh yeah. I've probably only seen this one two times, maybe three at the outset. Yeah. So that's a tough one. I just... hmm, And maybe it's the Tim Burton-ness of the 89 that draws me to it. Yeah. I don't feel that here. Like, it was fine, but I'm not going to go back and watch this one anytime soon. Uh Maybe that's the best way to say it. Yeah. Whereas Batman 89, I'll I'll be back, and I'll be back soon. Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so... I think the... I was just going to say, too, I think the the Batman
0: 89 thing, I think it also gets... (laughs) I mean, well, see this had him talking to his parents and and all of that. I, I I felt like it was hey, this is this is great. I mean, this is deep. This is mm-hmm. I mean, this is really cool, but it was kind of launching from the perspective of like a kids cartoon.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Like I'm I'm proceeding from that assumption where or that starting point. Whereas Batman 89 all just seemed to be not from the perspective of a kid that's a little bit more intense. It was like, you're in this adult world. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? And I think that was the difference too. And, and so that's why I think to say, well, this one's a more, a a more Batman story or a truer bat or whatever. I I think that that's, that's why for me, it's going to be Batman 89. You were just in this adult, this intense adult world. You know, and like I said, I'm trying to steer away from all my personal take. The one thing that I think that they might bring out is that they say that Batman was originally like a detective and that shows him actually like doing some detecting in this, in this one, he's investigating this, or I found this shard of glass or I found that. And I mean, well, but you see, you get that in Batman 89. Like he goes out and figures out that thing with the chemicals. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. All right. I'm just, I'd be interested to hear what these guys, this guy's take on things is.
1: So his take on it was that it was a much more personal movie for Bruce Wayne and Batman. His comment was, he felt like Batman 89 was, he still the villain, but he felt like the main character of Batman 89 was the Joker. And I think he would have felt that the main character of Batman Returns was probably Catwoman and how a lot of those early superhero movies really focused in on well you got to have the strong villain and the strong villain is what makes the movie interesting the heroes eh, the is kind of interesting but you got to have a really good strong villain which is why the movies kept building on okay well now let's have two villains and now let's have three villains and it just kept it kept building and building and so i think this guy's point was you had a movie where it really focused in on Bruce Wayne and kind of his motivations and he keyed in on the scene and this is probably one of my favorite scenes in this whole movie is the scene where Bruce is at his parents grave and it's raining and lightning and everything else and he is he's wanting to to marry Andrea and he's basically begging his parents to release him from the vow he made that he would avenge them and this this person quoted that as being he's like that's that's the scene we don't really ever – in ba- his take was in Batman 89 and Batman Returns were never necessarily in Bruce's head. And he, he wasn't saying, like, well, I, have, I need to have a voiceover so I can hear what he's thinking. He wasn't saying that. He was just saying that he felt like this was a better representation of actually getting to see what Bruce Wayne is feeling and what he's thinking and what he's working through as that a human being, a not, new, you know to-
0: – as opposed
1: to the other movies, maybe maybe fo- focusing more on a some kind of a character arc for Jack Napier and the Joker, or for Selena Kyle and Catwoman. That when you look at those other movies, there's not as much of a character arc for Bruce Wayne Batman, which I think, to in a certain yeah, can- sense, is is true. You don't have he doesn't change much. If at all, from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie, so I I could see that part of it. I I'm gonna go with Bo and say I still would rather rewatch Batman '89, but I can kind of see where this movie does. It gives you a different layer of the onion when you're dealing with the Bruce Wayne Batman character.
0: Yeah, I hear you, I, and I hear I hear what this guy's I hear what this guy's talking about with that. I mean, that's that's right on, and I mean that's the one thing with the with the '89 Batman you you get a glimpse of the Batman, the origin thing, and you know, kind of like you see the assassination of his parents and all that, and you know. But again, you don't see all that development that you actually see a lot. I think in Batman Begins, you know what I'm saying, and then Dark Knight, it's, right. it's it's interrogated heavily, which is arguably they had more room to brash out because they were well, I don't know. I guess he did. They did multiple movies with the '89 type Batman thing too. Yeah. But you yeah. Know, I, I can, I can see where that element, I, I, see, I see, I see what the guy's talking about.
1: Yeah. Did you guys have a favorite scene in this one? <laughs>
0: Picking a favorite scene is hard, but I'll tell you one thing that really clicked with me that just made this seem like really, really, really cool. Like, okay, we're, we're talking a little bit more intense Batman type thing is when he busts into the guys the, the the guys were doing some kind of a deal and it was towards the beginning and he busts in and the guy tries to empty the gun into him but he ducks behind the table and he's throwing guys around and all that kind of stuff. I really liked it when the guy he flipped the table over on the guy and the guy was kind of crawling around the table and he like stomps on the table, you know, just kind of like yeah. puts the guy down. I was just like, dang, okay, <laughs> okay. This is you know, yeah. I, I thought that I thought that was kinda of, cool because it just brought it it just brought out the whole you know Batman's complete utter disdain for the criminal element and while he doesn't believe in killing he definitely has no problems with beating beating people to a to a pulp right. and I thought that brought it out so that just kind of for me that was like the, the tone setter yeah
1: well you got a favorite
2: I hate to go for the obvious stuff but I mean all the stuff with the Joker the, the Joker the Joker character made the animated series yeah. in so many ways, especially early. I'll admit I don't know that I've seen the whole thing, maybe the first couple seasons, but the Joker character was just so much about so much of that series was in that character and how he reacted with Batman and whatnot that just all that stuff was so good. Mm-hmm. It just reminded me of what I liked about this series. Was that that just that Joker version? Because it's interesting. Like we always talk about the different versions of Batman, yeah. In all the series, but the different versions right. of the Joker are so interesting too, because they they do different things. Like he's still the Joker, but he, they, there's different Jokers, and and I think this Joker is is one of my favorites. Also, the the, the scene where she's finally unmasked was was fun too. Yeah, but. I had forgotten that it was her. Yeah. Now, granted, it's been a long time since I saw it.
1: But. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I think the whole scene, like I mentioned before, I think one of my favorite scenes is the scene where he's at his parents' grave, and you really are kind of getting the sense of he's, this is a, a different Batman than what we're kind of used to seeing because he's actually willing to give all this up. Like He's fallen in love with someone. He's like, hey, I've, I've got a chance at happiness here. I'm I'm gonna take it, and he's begging his parents to to let him out of this vow that he made. Whereas I think most other versions of Batman we get, he's so singularly focused on vengeance that he, everything else is everything else is is off to the side. Everything is is off the table because vengeance. He's vowed vengeance. He this is the only thing that's gonna keep him going, and so he's, he's not gonna sacrifice that for anything. Which is funny. I, I had a moment when he's trying to talk to Andrea and he says the line and I forget exactly how he says it, but he's like, Andrea, vengeance isn't going to solve anything. And I'm like, Damn uh, but, pot Kettle. Uh, I, I was thinking of that animated gif of a Nathan Fillion from, is it from Firefly where he's just like, he's like putting his hand up. Like he's like, I, I would like to, like to say something. I, excuse me. Yeah. Uh-huh. So.
0: I, I, I agree. You know, well, I had two thoughts. One is that scene that he was pleading with his parents to let him out of the bow. I thought that was really a neat scene and also showed how, okay, he's kind of a little bit, I don't want to say disturbed, but I mean, um, well, unless I missed something, he didn't bow to his parents while they were dying. Like, this is just something in his own head. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's sort of like when I'm riding my motorcycle and I, I go through a turn that I think it's really fun right until I get in the turn and realize I ran out of talent. And then I promised the good Lord that if he lets me get through this turn, I will never ride my motorcycle this fast again. Sure, yeah. You know, And yeah. all of a sudden it's kind of one of, kind of, one of those vows. And so I, if it's one of those, but he is that driven to it, like that kind of shows like, okay, he's not entirely, not entirely stable. Right? Yeah. Not, and so I really thought that scene and just how passionate he was about it and, and the way that it came out. Not, I made this vow to you guys that you know, I was going to do this, but now I've got this chance and maybe this is what, right. but it was like, it was like he was talking to them, let me out of this. It, it, do you know what I'm saying? Like, it, yeah. it really, I thought that was cool because it does show how it, it does show. I think in, in, in many ways, more than some of the other movies that we've seen, it really shows how, yeah, he's not just, like, bent on vengeance and single-minded. It's, he's a little disturbed. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, even the even the Christian Bale thing was never, like, he's like, hey, this is my chance. This is what I was always going to do. I wanted to do Batman until the city could stand on its own two feet. Then I'm out. You know, I mean, he, he, had a, he had the thoughts behind it. He had the rationale and, yeah. and all that. 89 Batman, like, he took off the mask to tell Selina Kyle, like, we can ch- You can change. We can change. All that kind of thing. I thought that was a really, really neat scene. So there, there's my see, other favorite scene.
1: See, here, here you are quoting, quoting Rocky four in the midst of talking about a Batman movie, and I was going to go back to when you said he wasn't entirely stable, and I was going to say, not entirely stable. Well, I'm glad you're here to tell us these things. Bo, take the professor in the back and plug him into the hyperdrive. <laughs> yeah.
0: I love it. I love it. So, yeah, that's, that's pretty fun. Well, even that's even Alfred fun. gets a little
1: uh, Alfred gets a little dig at the beginning. He says something like, because uh, they're on the news they're saying something about how batman is insane and he's like sir that's ridiculous you are the very epitome of sanity oh by the way i did finish washing your tights and put your gas bombs back in the drawer
2: <laughs> i love that he's alfred is so amazing in all the batmans mm-hmm. like they always find a way to make that yeah character something very special and i it's, that's Here too.
1: My my two favorites are Michael Caine, Alfred, and yes. anima- and animated Alfred. Uh-huh. Yeah.
2: Big shock. Michael it's, Caine's good, right? Well, yeah, I mean, yeah.
1: But yeah, those are those have got to be my two favorite Alfreds Is is Michael Caine Alfred and and what was it what was his name? Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. Uh-huh. Which his name is just cool anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah
0: he
2: asks each traveler five questions three questions three questions
1: it's impossible to answer
2: impossible because you don't know the answer nobody
1: could answer that question i want to ask you a bunch of questions i want to have them
0: answered immediately what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things i have ever heard at no point in your rambling incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award
1: you no points and may God have mercy on your soul. All right. Three questions. First question What is your favorite episode of Batman, the animated series?
0: Well, boy, I don't want to take the easy way out, but I mean, I think this would probably be my favorite Batman TV show. As far as picking a favorite episode, it's going to be hard just because it all kind of runs together. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know if I've got a particular favorite episode I, I, in general. I'll agree with Bo in that the Joker, Mark Hamill's voicing of the Joker mm-hmm. really, really makes it. So anything with that featured or heavily featured the Joker really would have my vote, but I'm, I can't go much more specific than that.
2: Yeah. I think anything involving the Joker is, is, is the easy one The jokers premiere into this in this show was fantastic if i remember it correctly but there are a couple that stick out just visually like when you say batman the animated series there are two and i had to look up the names of these episodes because i don't remember them that well but yeah. i remember the the bat creature oh yeah from an early episode it actually turns out it was season it was episode two yep man bat and then the, this this, animated... uh, that
1: one's called on leather wings, I think it is. Yeah,
2: yeah, it is. And then the other one that sticks out to me for whatever reason, it always has. And I'm, I'm looking up right now. Oh, that could be why the voice was Michael Ansara, but I have for some reason when I think of the animated series, the animated version of Mr. Freeze is one of those images oh, yeah. that is just burned in my brain. And I, I can't necessarily explain it.
1: I don't remember if that was his first one. I think it was called Heart of Ice. Might have been Mm -hmm. one of his first appearances. Yep, that's early. It's got to be. It's
2: episode three. Yeah. Yeah, just something about that. With this, my memories are more visual than actual plots or anything. Yeah, But.
1: Yeah. I have, I, I know exactly which one is my favorite but there are a bunch of others and that's heart of ice is a good one on leather wings i like that one joker's favor is a good one where there's the the like the average everyday guy gets in kind of a road rage thing with the joker and it doesn't realize it's the joker when he's like shaking his fist at him in traffic and the joker tracks him down and like forces him over the course of years like he he constantly the joker's like i'm going to come back and you're going to do me a favor someday and so this guy lives for years, I think it was, not knowing when the Joker was going to show up, what he was going to ask him for. And it's just, it's kind of a fun, if anybody goes back to rewatch it, I'm, I'm not going to say how it ends, but it's a fun one. <laughs> There's one called Almost Got Him, where it's all the villains sitting around talking about the times they almost got the Batman, like they almost killed him. That's another really good one, because then you had a bunch of the villains together, you know, sitting around mm. telling their mm-hmm. stories. Uh, I, my favorite one, though, and I did not know for years who voiced this character, and that just makes it even better. My favorite one is Beware the Grey Ghost. And that is the one where Batman meets up with his boyhood hero. Like, there was an actor, the actor's name is Simon Trent, and he is selling off all of his merchandise because he's going bankrupt. And he was little boy, little boy Bruce Wayne's favorite TV character, the Grey Ghost. And he's kind of like a cross between a Batman and a Zorro character. And I didn't find out till years later that he was voiced by Adam West.
2: Oh, that's outstanding. It
1: was already one of my favorite episodes of this animated series. And then when I found that out, I'm like, hold on just a moment. That's perfect.
2: Well, then I'm looking at it now. Visually. Yeah, I do remember that episode.
1: Yeah. Everything is is pretty much. It's very much black, white and gray. In that mm-hmm. episode, it's, it's very, there's not a lot of color from what I remember.
0: As you guys are describing your favorite episodes, it's like, I think I remember that. I think I remember that. I think yeah. I remember, I, I remember all of this. I mean, it was, it was an awesome show.
1: Yeah. 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 Don't even get me started. If we ever do an episode <laughs> where we talk about the X-Men cartoon from this era, don't even get me started on that <laughs> one either. Yeah. Yeah. I'm
0: sorry, I got lost. These shows, these shows are really like my entry points. I don't want to say my entry points into the comics because, mm-hmm. like, my buddy had like shown me comics for years, like, hey, check this out, check this out. But I just like read a book that he'd give me, yeah, and, and I'd give back doing that was that. But like, this show, Batman Animated and, and, and X Men were ones that I could really like sink my teeth into and and just kind of live in those worlds obviously batman 89 came first yep. you know but like and the sequel which like the later batman movies were kind of eh, and uh, but this is this was yeah just great shows yeah. just great shows
1: all right question number two are there any other movie tv shows or books that you would like to see made into a cartoon I, my answer for this one is very easy because my answer is the Rocketeer and I want the Rocketeer animated series done in the style of Batman, the animated series. Cause I think because the Batman animated series, things look like they're a weird combination of the nineties and the forties at the same time mm-hmm. or the thirties, forties and the nineties at the same time like that. I would want a Rocketeer animated series done by Bruce. Tim as the the artist for the Batman animated series, I would love to see a Bruce Tim animated rocketeer.
2: Awesome. That sounds about right. Yeah, That's awesome. I can't think of, and you know, it's funny, many moons ago, I would have answered Star Wars, but they've done a lot of really uh-huh. good Star Wars animation.
1: Yeah. It's been a lot of good animated, animated stuff in the last few years. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would have even said Star Trek a few years ago, but now we've gotten <laughs> right. We, we yeah. have what we have now and it's really yeah. good. And it's fantastic.
2: Yeah. I'm trying to think if there's anything. Shout out for, shout out for Star Wars animation.
0: I cannot wait for the Ahsoka show,
1: mm. mm-hmm.
0: which is kind of like a proxy Star Wars Rebels live action, Yeah, which is going the opposite of the animated thing, but just again, a testament to, Well, I'm gonna go on a vendor just a testament to how powerful that Star Wars Rebels cartoon was, you know, that animated thing.
2: Okay, I got one.
0: Yeah, what do you got what do you got?
2: We're doing a lot with Lord of the Rings and there was something about those original animated Rankin Bass shows that led that that gave those stories an interesting an interesting mysticism to them because they were animated and i felt like this is to take nothing away from the peter jackson stuff cuz it was all epic and amazing but there is something to be said for telling a story in a cartoon in a in an animated style and the things you can do and get away with and not have to stretch or not have to not have to cg it so much that it's obviously cg even though these days You can get away with a lot. Uh And I guess by the same token, maybe DC and and, and MCU stuff. I get you've got these big blockbuster casts and whatnot, but what could you do with, we just, you talked about the X-Men not that long ago. Like what could you do with an agents of shield animated series?
1: Well, did you ever watch the what if animated series they did? Yes. Oh Oh, yes. So good. And and the DC, anim- that's the one thing that DC has consistently done better than Marvel is their animated stuff. Mm-hmm. Because the DC animated movies that they put out, Marvel put out a bunch of animated movies too. Like the straight to video animated movie <laughs> deals. DC has been putting them out for years. This was actually the first one as part of the, what they call the DC animated universe, the DC AU a- and the DC animated films have been awesome. Like all the times they've adapted the, Comic book stories, they've been outstanding.
2: Maybe that's just it. Maybe the feeling of the comic book to the cartoon, yeah. to the animation just feels right. Because you can make that animation in the style of the cartoon, like like they did with this series, I feel like. Yeah. You can give it a different feel than you can do in live action.
1: So here's what I'd love to see. I don't think they'll ever do it. What I would love to see them do is go back to some of the – you mentioned Star Wars. Go back to the old Star Wars, now what's considered Legends canon, uh, and do some of those book series as animated movies or an animated series. Do
2: my God, a Timothy Zahn trilogy is an animated (laughs) miniseries over, Uh I don't know,
1: three seasons? Yep. Just pulling a number out Uh of (laughs) the air, but oh, my God do that, do the original Dark Empire comic book that they did yeah. as an animated movie or an animated series? Yeah. Well, I, be- you know what I'd love to see as an animated series, which I think would be really cool, is did you ever read the Star Wars Legacy comics?
2: Yeah, uh, no, I did not. He I've was, heard good things.
1: He was supposed to be like the great, great grandson of Luke Skywalker, and he was kind of like a, he was more of the Han Solo type character. He was actually kind of like a... a former drug addict and he had kind of ignored the force as much as possible and ignored his family history. And there was like a new kind of empire that was coming up and he was more of a, it actually had a little bit of like a firefly kind of a feel to it because there was a, Mm. there was a crew of a ship and they were kind of doing their own thing. And it was the Skywalker character looked very much like a little bit rougher Luke Skywalker and he was more the kind of smuggler scoundrel type character. That one was cool. Like that one was supposed to be set like a hundred, maybe one hundred and fifty years after, like Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, all those characters. Uh-huh. Yeah, that one that wouldn't be a good animated series. All right. Question number three: Who is your favorite Batman love interest? And this can be from any of the movies, TV shows, or comics.
2: <laughs> favorite is such a loaded word,
1: my friend. It is. You can tell me that it's Doctor Chase Meridian, and what a grand pursuit she must be. Jason Colvin I'll would probably agree I'll... with you. I th- that might be his favorite.
0: Yeah, I, I tell you, I tell you, the one that I thought was really well done. Obviously, I mean Catwoman and all that kind of stuff, but the Anne Hathaway one in the uh, The Dark Knight Rises, yep. I thought was was awesome. And I, what I loved is that she in many ways was in many ways was kind of like his equal do you know what I'm saying like she'd get the drop on him as much as he'd get the drop on her they had to kind of like band together in the, in the, at the end and it's, it was sort of like sorry I'm gonna I'm gonna use a line from another movie but like it was like they completed each other and I really really liked seeing that dynamic just the way that the, the characters worked together and the way the actors brought them away I thought that was I thought that one was really really good because, and I'm trying to think, was there even, like, a romantic thing in there? Because I'm thinking of The Dark Knight Rises. He had the, the, the romantic deal with the gal that played Maul in Inception. But, like, Catwoman character, they were more comrades in arms. And then, like, depending on how you see the ending of that movie, we better put a huge spoiler alert, alert back ahead of this, because I think I've just spoiled, like, 18 movies oh, in cool. the last 10 minutes. But I, like even at the end when they go off and like I love the happy ending so I want to believe Alfred saw the two of them sitting there at some bistro somewhere in France or whatever like it's it's kind of left open hey was there a romantic thing there or are they just off kind of adventuring yeah you know what I'm saying so I I really really enjoyed the Dark Knight Rises
1: and the Anne
0: Hathaway as Catwoman and then the Bruce Wayne Selena Kyle
1: dynamic with those two yeah Bo what have you got.
2: I think Selena Kyle in all her incarnations is great. But since Pat already took her, I am going to branch out a little bit. I'm a big fan of the Rachel Dawes character just because it's different. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
2: And some of the others. I'm also a big Vicki Vale. I think could have been great. Had we seen more of her. Yeah. I know there's a lot more of her in the comics. I think she she's another one who can spar with Bruce a little better. Which is nice.
1: Yeah. Nobody went with the Miss Kitka from the 1966 movie? <laughs> no? okay.
2: Well, anyone from that series gets a couple of points just because.
1: Yeah. You know, anytime you could have a movie where your characters are named Miss Kitka... Who happens yeah. to be Catwoman, and what was his name, Commodore Schmidlap? Schmidlap, mm-hmm.
2: that is the best yeah. name
1: ever. If I ever bought a, I, bo- I still- if I ever bought a boat, I would name it Commodore Schmidlap. Yes, I still will say that. Like I'll be like in band, and I'll be like, "Hey Schmidlap, why don't you play that shirt the right
0: way?" You know what I'm saying? Like I still, I still, I still, you know, mm-hmm. use that whole thing. I- I'll tell you, man, shout out for that show. I, I'm. Sh- I know there's been creative shows out there and unique, unique. Maybe creative is too strong. Well, no, I'm gonna say creative. But my gosh, watching that show and those, I know it was campy as all get out, but it leaned into knowing exactly what it was. Oh yeah. And I mean, it's. I, I don't know. Is the, Has there been anything necessarily like that done before ever? With this, I don't know. That show was very very unique.
2: It was, it, it's definitely a product of its time. I think, I think yeah. if you look back when that show was out, there was other goofy stuff out there. I mean, the concept of the love boat is, is yeah. a thing. <laughs> you know, um, you know, as,
0: as, as you were saying that, it's almost like it's a product of what Austin Powers was lampooning. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like that, that view of the sixties, that, that was What Austin Powers, the movie's lampoon. This was
1: a product of. Did you ever get between Batman and Robin? Did you ever get any like Gilligan and Skipper vibes? Oh, all the time. (laughs) (laughs) All right, right. little buddy. (laughs) Little (laughs) buddy, hand me the bat shark repellent. God, (laughs) that is that
2: scene with the shark repellent is like the quintessential. This, like, if you had to sum up. That Batman, that show, it's that scene. It's them dangling on that uh-huh. ladder with the shark repellent. Like, that is that show in a nutshell.
1: Yeah. Did I ever tell you that earlier this year, they actually used the bat shark repellent in a comic book?
2: <laughs> no.
1: Yeah. God love them. Yeah, they, totally, they totally did. It was... Let's see. I believe it was a story. I'm going to blank out on what issue it was. Well, there best have
2: been a shark in it. Oh, yeah, there was.
1: (laughs) It was was in the current Batman comics, and Batman is, like, hopping around between alternate universes.
2: Because you do that now.
1: Because you do it. And he, actually, I think he meets Michael Keaton's Batman. He meets the vampire Batman from one of the comics I really like. I think he also meets the Batman animated series Batman and then he ends up meeting he ends up meeting the 60s batman and i think the 60s batman hands him his utility belt and says hey you might need some of these things as you jump around other universes and then he runs into a universe where he's about to get attacked by a shark and he reaches down and finds that there is shark repellent in the utility belt that 60s batman gave him
2: that is just too good
1: and he makes a comment i actually found there i found the somewhere. page I found the page from the comics, and Batman is thinking to himself, and he goes, ha, huh, finally met a Batman more prepared than I am. <laughs>
2: ah, uh, that's, that's pretty awesome. good. Oh.
0: That's awesome. Well, and, and, and I mean, that is so sharp, and it was funny, because that Batcave, that oh, I man. mean, whenever they needed something, there was a machine there for it. Like, the detecting that happened in that show it was just like, we need to analyze hair follicles made from a suit or whatever. Okay, we'll we'll take
2: it
0: to the bat hair follicle analyzer. I mean, it was like, that was was cool
1: stuff. That was really cool stuff. They had, and everything was was neatly labeled. You could tell a librarian had helped build it because everything was neatly labeled. And it was like they had a separate machine for everything. It was, Batman would have been like, all right, well, we found a blonde hair that looks like it might have come from an albino alpaca. Do we have the albino yeah. alpaca hair analyzer, Robin? Golly, Batman! It's right over here in the corner. I mean, they had everything. We just unboxed it this week. <laughs> I want Michael Keaton, Batman, to show up in that Bat Cave, be, that, that Bat Cave, and be like, "Nice place, lots of space."
0: <laughs> I know. Yeah. And as far as and as far as Wayne manners go, like. The, the 1960s Wayne Manor was probably the one that I'd want to live in. Oh, it was awesome. I'm not it was the coolest bandage, but that was like the one, Wayne Manor that, like, it was like the cl- If I was going to say, like, the clubhouse, but even that one was, like, was a little bit different. Like, all the other Wayne Manors are scary, and he doesn't quite fit in the house, and, you know, in terms of style, some of these rooms are me, some of these rooms are not me at all. Yeah. You know, like, that kind of stuff. I don't
1: but, I, uh, Actually, you want to yeah. know something? I'm not sure I've ever even been in this room. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just telling you, if I ever win the lottery that I never play, I am building a room in which I can lift up the the head of a some kind of a bust statue, push a button, and then slide down a pole into my podcasting area here. There you go. That's 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 the dream.
2: That's, it, that's the dream, boys. That's the dream.
1: Yeah. So I haven't answered this question yet. I'll answer this question so we can wrap this one up. I would say that I I did really like Vicki Vale from the 89 Batman. I did like Rachel Dawes from the Nolan Batman series. I'm going to go with, I really enjoyed recently, like within a couple years or so, maybe last two or three years, might have been more than that, but they did a relationship with Batman and Catwoman in the comic books that I thought was finally kind of like a, they, they were actually working towards even getting married to each other. Like they had a wedding date set and everything. And I'm like, huh, this is not as weird or, and, or stupid as it could be. I'm kind yeah, of and or this.
2: stupid. That, that's good stuff. <laughs>
1: yeah. I'm like, actually, yeah. this is, I would love to see this happen. Like I'm, I'm really curious how this will kind of change the dynamic. If Batman marries Catwoman and she continues to be a crook and you know what she does, but he continues to do what he does. And, and, I love it because there was a comic and I don't remember which comic it was, but there's a comic where Bruce Wayne and Selena Kyle go on a double date to a county fair with Clark Kent and Lois Lane.
2: Oh, now that's good.
1: And it was outstanding. I absolutely love that comic. It was, it was great. So, so I will, I will go with comic book, Selena Kyle as one of my favorites. (laughs) that's really cool. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode. Coming up, we've got the month of September. The rest of this month is our, it's our secrets month. If you're joining us over on Patreon, you go to patreon.com 30 podcast, or there's a link on our website, you can get there as well. If you are joining us over there on Patreon and contributing to the ongoing production of the show, you get access to the bonus episodes over there. This month, we've got Return of the Jedi as our full length Patreon episode, and then two Patreon shorts, Scarface from 1983 and Somewhere Tomorrow from 1983 are our Patreon shorts. If if you've never heard of Somewhere Tomorrow, it's I've I have this collection of weird, very rarely seen or known 80s movies that I somehow found at a record store in Texas. And it has, I don't even remember, maybe like 70 movies in this DVD set that I bought for like six bucks. And I so I found a bunch of these little movies and I'm like, I'll tack these on as the Patreon shorts because I ain't just about guarantee nobody has seen. This movie. And if you have, awesome. I would love to hear it. Somewhere Tomorrow actually stars a very young Sarah Jessica Parker. And she, I believe she witnesses a plane crash. And then she talks to someone who, a, a quote-unquote survivor of the plane crash. And then discovers he may not have survived. I see dead people. Yeah. hmm So... That's what that one is. The rest of our episodes this month, last week we did Rising Sun. This week, obviously, is Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Next week is Mrs. Doubtfire. And then we follow that up with Schindler's List because we like to really put together a bunch of movies that we're not quite sure how they fit.
2: And now for something completely different.
1: And now for something completely different.
2: Three years, there's a month where are like, hey, what do I do with all these movies? And anyway, uh-huh. There you go.
1: I was like, when I was putting them together, I was like, "Well, all these movies have secrets in them." Oh, okay. Hey, I I will give a little quick preview. It's it's better than the theme I had. I think for December, the theme for December was the Good Eaten Month, and it's got movies like Tombstone, What's Eating Gilbert Grape, and Alive.
2: <laughs> you're a sick man. <laughs>
1: But (laughs) you're you're welcome. A little closer to home, though, October is, as always, our horror month, Pat's favorite month of the year. And this October, our regular episodes are Fire in the Sky, Hocus Pocus, Needful Things, Judgment Night, and Leprechaun. Our Patreons for October, our Patreon full-length episode is Something Wicked This Way Comes from 1983. I remember loving that as a kid. I haven't seen it in years, but I remember loving that movie as a kid, being totally creeped out. Briscoe
2: County Jr.
1: And then for the Patreon shorts, for the rest of the year, I'm going to do a little a little lineup of either It Started in 93 or It Ended in 93 and do a quick like 15-minute episode on a ep- TV show that started in 93 and one TV show that ended in 93. So we're going to do Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. which started in 93. And then I'm going to do a Patreon short on It Ended in 93. Cheers. And I will wear my Cheers t-shirt that I got in Boston when I record that one. <laughs> Cause at, as you do
2: name dropper,
1: Uh huh. that's right. I got it. We, we got an awesome bingo card from Jason Colvin. So I got to make sure we cover all the different things that are on the, on the bingo card that we may end up using for our 500th episode. So got to make sure we get all that in there. All right, everybody. Actually, I'm, I'm going to, yeah, you know what? I'll, I'll maybe do that in post. I was going to put on the Batman music to play us out, but maybe I'll do that in post. I'll, I'll do our regular music here. But, yes, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you, Bo. Thank you, Pat. Thank you, John. Thank you,
0: Thank you John. And, boy, coming in under the wire here, quick shout-out for the music they, they put in this thing. I mean, I, it we, was... We didn't even
1: talk about that. Shirley Walker is amazing. <laughs> oh. and, and the quality of the theme over what was normally done in the animated series. Nothing wrong with the animated series, but the quality of the theme in this one, you could tell, like, they paid for a little bit bigger orchestra.
0: Yeah, and it, it, it added a whole weight depth yeah. to this to this thing it was it was just great music it was really really good
1: yeah all right everybody be excellent to each other go tell all your friends about us and go watch some good movies we're batman i don't know we'll see you next time
2: that's one way to do it
1: <laughs> good night yeah. Go watch some good movies, I swear. Swear to me.